It was a weird one. There was a horse. I remember William Shatner being on a horse. No, that was Generations. Was it? How was it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it was because it was the Nexus. Yeah. And Guinan was like, oh, someone. As promised, this episode is the Star Trek special. Please be aware, there will be spoilers for Star Trek Discovery, Enterprise, Voyager. In fact, in fact, every Star Trek series, there are spoilers. So if you've not seen them, watch them all before listening to this podcast episode. Bearing in mind, I'm on the podcast and I've never seen any of them apart from Discovery. Uh, and this for three latest Star Trek films. And also they are some episodes yeah. of, what, The Next Generation? I don't know. Yeah, I think you did watch a couple of episodes from the first season of yeah. The Next Generation. So I think just to just to, just to take control from Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> we are doing a Star Trek special for episode twenty, uh to end season two of the Mavis podcast. Uh because we, we started watching uh Discovery, the latest series, and decided that episode twenty would be a good point to do a Star Trek special. And it turns out that Star Trek special is not just for Discovery, it's for Star Trek as a whole. Um I yeah, will be because there's, there's more to Star Trek than the yeah, discovery. Yeah, so relinquishing control uh, and giving that up to both John and Jules, who are going to run away with uh, the format. The I don't know how long this episode's going to be, but we'll see how it ends up. I just want to we'll, put stress yeah. on you with you guys that you have to make sure this episode is is a podcast, right? How do we condense fifty over fifty years of Star Trek into under two hours? That's wow. not my problem now. We, we'll yeah. use some kind of amazing Star Trek compression algorithm that that you know <laughs> compresses teraquads of data into just <laughs> two hours worth. Of well, audio. I got myself in for um, Jules. Anything you want to say before we 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 crash on, uh, smash on? I don't even know what. Or go is. to war, no, as we would just, say. Let's in Star just go. Trek. Let's just go to war. Oh my god. <laughs> So it's taken me five and a bit years, and I've finally finished a lot of the, uh, well, not a lot of them, but all of the uh, Star Trek series on, uh, you'd on forgotten Netflix. Then. I thought we were already off to a great start, and you'd forgotten what you were going to say. No. So you you actually, you were, you were wondering there if you have actually watched all of them, because you haven't watched the original no, series. I or can't the watch series. No, okay, okay. But I other than that, watch, all I, of them. Yeah, okay, all of them bar the original series, because I can't deal with the original series, because I remember the... <laughs> I remember being over at yours. Yeah, I remember being at. Well, there's that, and obviously all the uh, special effects were terrible. And I'm a. I the mean, one on Netflix like, is the is the HD remake, though. Oh God, that must that really makes a difference. It I does mean, make a difference. Yeah, they okay. they, they well, replace I'll, I'll it all with CGI them. instead. Really? Yeah. Really? Oh, maybe I'll. Yeah, but <laughs> they don't replace the stories. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, right. No, right. No, I, no, I, um, no. Right. Like, continue no, no, with no, the introduction, no. John. This is continuing with the introduction. This is the this is podcast. This is the Star Trek special, <sighs> and I just remember being at yours, Jules, and there was a you had an episode that paused in the background, and it was called Spock's brain. Yeah, and he had no brain, and that was it. Yeah. I couldn't deal with it. I Someone could not deal it. with the the original series. Yeah. So, um, but yes, I've I recently finished Enterprise, and obviously it's not chronicle. I didn't watch them in chronological order. But given the fact Discovery is now has now kind of finished its first season and, and we has. all enjoyed that, yeah. um, I now see 
I'm really glad that they did some crossover with the original uh, few series, especially the back end of, uh, you know, Discovery. So mm-hmm. I think we could probably start there. So Star Trek Discovery has been the most recent series of Star Trek. And uh, it was, um, it's something that has been bounced around for quite a while. And a lot of people got involved in Star Trek Discovery when it started. Um, we, we, we got it on Netflix here in the UK and in the US it was on um, CBS. CBS All Access, which uh, is a bit of a pain. So not everyone has actually been able to see it. <clears throat> um is it Star Trek? Um, well, yeah. Um, but as all Star Trek first seasons go, they tend to be a bit um, rough around the edges. I think Discovery is no exception. Mm, I mean, even starting from that original trailer that we saw, which was released before they even started filming. And yeah. we ripped that to shreds when yeah. it came out. I was I was not looking forward to it when it when when I saw that trailer I was like no my hopes and dreams have been dashed. <laughs> the, the the first one that they showed which was I, did they show it at a comic con or something I can't something remember. like that yeah but they showed this this three D rendering of the discovery, um and it looks pretty terrible. <laughs> um, no, it you, looks like a Klingon ship. You recently watched uh, Enterprise, which is the the last time that we had a Star Trek on television mm. and that ended in 2005. You've only just mm. recently watched it, but you, you know, the graphics in that were better than the discovery teaser. Oh God. Yeah. By yeah. It looked like something my brother could way. do. <laughs> so, so it kind of, it really went down um, in the way that it looked at first. And that kind of, I think that spooked everybody. And for sure. The time that this episode is set, sorry, this series is set, is before the original series again. So it's another prequel. So the Ent- Enterprise was set before the original series, and so is Discovery. Mm. But very, very close to the start of the original series. It's it's only some you know a few years um, away from the original series starting, which is a funny place to put a show. I actually am quite pleased that they they've started here, though, because... There were references, there's been references in various different series to wars and yeah, post, with, post-Federation. Sorry, with the Klingons post- and, and, the, yeah, and yeah. the Romulans. Exactly. And I think the starting here kind of opened up this storyline for the, you know, the first great... Klingon battle that we'll see, or I say battle war that we'll see on on TV. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of thing, and it was really good. Like to, it, to kind of, it kind of started with that with those first mm. um, first couple of episodes, uh, really making it about this kind of Klingon interaction, which was which was quite quite strange to yeah to have that battle of the binary stars like right at the. I genuinely at the start. I genuinely thought the series would be about like the war you know like, yeah so this and, is the and thing it wasn't, right? it, it wasn't was, really wasn't no which was a bit strange mm-hmm. um and, good, the, and good the, twist. the war didn't really come back until right at the end of the of the um season uh because we had this massive chunk of mirror universe stuff in the middle which mm. had ties to for me which was really lovely had ties directly to enterprise um 
Yeah, and like there was... right as I was watching finishing Enterprise, and then this happened, I was like, oh wow, well this is fresh in my mind. But the, and uh, Deep Space Nine as well. You you watched Deep Space oh, yeah, Nine yeah, before for sure. Enterprise? Yeah, didn't yeah. You? yeah, yeah. Did yeah, you yeah, guys 100%. expect this, that the Mirror Universe stuff at all when watching it? A hundred percent. We knew we uh, we knew that there was some Mirror Universe stuff coming, right. and also they t- they tend to there's a tradition in Star Trek whereby um, actors from the show uh, tend to direct episodes. So it basically mm-hmm. gives them the ability to do some direction, things like that. And right. we, we, we found out from some of the actors that were directing that there was going to be mirror universe stuff quite early on in the, uh, in when the series before the series had uh, been aired. So we knew there was stuff. There's mirror universe in most Star Trek um, series to some extent, whether it's like, um, I, I suppose, you know, deep space nine, there was quite a lot of mirror universe stuff. Um, Enterprise had some, uh, right. mainly at the in the last series, um, and it was kind of the arc that ended. Kind of, it was like the last arc in in Enterprise, really that that kind of like stood out as as, um, being the crossover. But what was really interesting going back to Discovery is we weren't sure what the Klingons were going to look like, and the fact that now Klingons yeah. have three different types of, four different types of look, um. Is, yeah is again I, I mean they didn't I, the, there's a question of whether they really needed to do that for the show and if they'd set the show further in the future um you know who, who cares like because they put the show at that particular point in time in space in an already existing universe of star trek and they said specifically that it was the uh, the Prime Universe, not the Kelvin Universe, which are the mm-hmm. the films that uh, that you've seen, Andrew. The latest um, films, right? Yeah, the latest films because they kind of reimagined um, the uh, original series crew. Um, so they deliberately picked this spot that was that they had to they had to be about Klingons, right? And then they made the Klingons look different. I just I still don't really see what the benefit was of that. And you saw in some of the other makeup throughout the series. Um, they they uh, tweaked a lot of the other aliens and and they still looked like the ones from the original series, except the Klingons and the yeah, Klingons they that, made look really different. But this is again going back to it. Like so, originally Klingons looked like humans, right? You know, in the original series elements, uh, and and then when it got to next generation, etc. They look yeah. different, well, right? They look yeah. completely so, different. I mean, yes, in the original series, the Klingons were nothing like the, the Klingons that were basically reinvented when um, the motion picture came out, right? They totally changed the way they looked. And then TNG stuck with that. But there has been a lot of variation. We were talking earlier about the movie The Undiscovered Country. Um, now, <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember which one that is compared to Generations, Jordan, but this is the yeah, one. Yeah, the, the, yeah, it's one, the one where they were they were about to retire and there was the whole conspiracy thing. Yes. And, um, yeah. Everyone's, in- everyone's nice and happy and everyone wants peace and the Chancellor's coming over and we're all going to hang out and then he gets murdered. Now, the, the Klingons in, in Zero Gravity, he gets murdered in Zero Gravity, Andrew. It's a great film. Like, uh, there's, there's Shakespeare in it. It's fantastic. Um, watch a clip on YouTube then. Yes, you might. Um, but um, they, if you actually look at the cast photographs for that, the Klingons look quite different, 
I mean, let's face it, the Klingons tend to look different all the time throughout Star Trek. The, the, it's because all the films they have chief Klingon officers uh, on, the, on the crew. Not I'm talking about the film crew, and they just get to decide how they'll look. But it's really funny because at the end of Enterprise, or in the last series of Enterprise, they actually, the story arc kind of is quite funny because it it actually provides some direction as to why certain Klingons look like humans. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Do you they, remember when they the had, augments? They literally so, tied all of this up. Yeah, and then then Discovery comes in and absolutely blitzes it. Yes, because of, because of the timing. And the, the, the funny thing about that is when you actually think about it, um, every revisiting of the original series that has been performed by um, any of the kind of next generation uh, and continuing series after that, always portrayed it as if that was what it looked like, right? They had the colorful sets. So when Scotty wants to see his ship, colorful set. When um, in Deep Space Nine, when they see the uh, the ship um, Defiant in the mirror universe, it looks exactly like the old models. Mm. But Discovery, when we see the Enterprise for the first time, which is right at the end of season one, yeah, well, it was a uh, it doesn't was it Constitution class? Yeah, but it doesn't look like it didn't look like the Enterprise in the original series. The no, way that it, the way that it's supposed to look, right? No, according to canon. So, mm. so uh, just why? Why? I, I don't know why they need to do this. Like, they deliberately picked an area that would perhaps appeal to old hardcore Star Trek fans, the the aging uh, population of Star Trek fans now, and then tried to jazz it up for um, you know modern ordinary you know Netflix audience who play Xboxes and like seeing Phaser you know, gunfights. <laughs> so it's like, who did they really make it for? And then they made bad decisions about the canon, which of course these, uh, these types of Star Trek fans get wound up about anyway. It's kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, to try, you know, no one's ever going to get it right. Like you've also got to remember that the, probably the, the majority of the people who work on this series, um, are not the original, um, people who worked on the series, that we, we've yeah. seen in the past. And, uh, you're you know, they had right. like LeVar Burton and that, you know, directing um, various different episodes of like Enterprise, which is cool. And I'm not, you know, and you, what's, what was, what's really lovely is that um, we kind of see the same thing, but direction versus pro- producing is, is a different kind of thing. Like, you know, I think even though they brought in original series, I say original, the original set of series or Siri, how do you say plural series is? <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in to help with, with discovery, it was never going to be like this. No, it's definitely, perfect... it's, it's a new reinvention of, of Star Trek. Really. Yeah. I mean, but this is a history, this thing is not, a, this is a running theme in Star Trek anyway. So it's kind of like, if they got everything right, then it would kind of go against the Star Trek mantra of getting things yes. slightly in- incorrect anyway, because yes. things like, do you remember like the warp factor changing? Yeah. Like, like that in itself is just like a huge deal between the next generation and something like Voyager when it's like, uh, you know, you should have been able to get home Voyager like in, well, 200 years or 100 years is way, way too, like just the warp factors don't make sense, but that's fine. That's another story. But I think... <laughs> But, that, but that's but that, but that's what Star Trek fans do, right? They pick these holes in it, and you know I'm 
I'm really pleased that we have Discovery, and it oh, is. It's just fitting fantastic. in. Fantastic! It's a fantastic series. It was. It's just I, doing I what it, it needs to do to be a Star, yeah. a Star Trek series because that's what they are all. They're all, you know, like that in the first season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, interestingly enough, you know, when we when we originally started to uh, read more information as it was as it was kind of disseminated about what the series was was going to be like and it kind of said look this will be the first kind of star trek that won't focus on the bridge crew mm-hmm. um, yeah and that i was kind of worried about that like i was really worried about what that might be um because you know the bridge is the best bit of the ship now interestingly yeah. enough as well what do we think about bridges the, the amount that the bridge kind of exploded um <laughs> under fire like in discovery we, i mean i don't it, feel it, like i didn't see as a lot of the bridge so we can't really make a do you mean do you mean the fact that in Star Trek, even though it's set in the future where everything's nice and safe, but um, what appears to be boulders tends to tend to fall from the ceiling of the most important room <laughs> in the spaceship when it, get, it gets hit by a torpedo. Is that what we're talking about? Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, it, it does that just like every other Star Trek ship. Yeah. Do we do we feel like it it did enough of that or too um, little? Or I don't just know. Just the right amount? I don't know. I, I must say that by the end of it i didn't really feel like we had the usual combination of crew plus ship in the way that we had in previous Mm. um you know versions iterations on star trek because i don't even know i i'm gonna be honest i can't remember the names of some of those bridge crew right the yeah the the various people that that work on um you know con and ops yeah no i don't i can only remember one to be fair. Oh, yeah. Which one? Who? Michael Burdum. Yes. So Michael, yeah, I mean, the main character. So you can only remember the main character. Um, but yeah. I would say my fa- my favorite character is probably Saru. I really like Saru. Uh, yep. Yeah, that was the that was that guy. I don't know. You what know, I almost was. I almost threw up when she ate the Kelpian. Oh yeah, I know. I felt that, gen- that generally. I mean, Star Trek's not usually that. But you, you no, do cringe isn't. a lot massively. No, no. This was this. I mean, this was actual pretty cringeworthy, wasn't it? Just the way it was. It was shot. Yeah, the, the way, way that it was happened. done. Yeah, it made I you mean, it made wow. you want to feel uncomfortable. Definitely, oh, it was a little cooked food. I didn't. What well, I, I mean, I didn't get. I didn't get why that would be so cringy. Okay, because she, it was it was basically a saru. She was. Yeah, eating. but you you eat fish. It's like cannibalism, right? No, it's like can. It, it, it's not because there are different different. Uh, a different species, yes. so it's okay to eat them. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but it's like you oh, eat, right, you okay, eat fish, right? Yeah, yeah Andrew, but you I would mean, fit I mean, perfectly in the mirror universe. Yes, you would. Yeah, but this is about it being a sentient. This is like in Star yeah, Trek. In the that's mirror a big universe, no-no. Jordan, so would you, because it would be the norm. Exactly, it's the norm in the middle <laughs> u- mirror universe, and Burnham's. You know, she doesn't know why she's picking a Kelpian, and then she <laughs> finds out, and then she she enjoys it, and she's like, oh, "I'm going to eat Saru," right? Is that how that works? No, she didn't know. She was like, oh, this this food tastes great. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's Kelpian. It's like, oh, God. Yeah. I feel like, given the fact that there's like 10 films, it, well, 13 films, seven series to go through, we should predominantly focus on, um, I, I don't know, maybe specific areas of... of, of certain series. Like. Well, I, I mean, I would just say, um, what was... Uh, I know the answer to this already, but what was your favourite series of Star Trek? Not movies, just series. Um, what? See, I 
Discovery is not my favorite series, no. even though, even though, because you know, it's still there's still a lot to go, and there's only one series. And it's the only one that that has one series so far, and it's going to blah 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 blah. But I grew up originally watching Voyager, right? I didn't watch Next Generation, and I didn't watch DS Nine or Enterprise. The first series I watched was Voyager, and oh my goodness, that will always be my favorite series. It's just. I, I completely understand why. I know it's, it's, Voyager was a very, um, a very kind of special one because, uh, in a lot of ways, latest, it's the latest. The latest tech. It was the latest tech. It was the fastest ship. Now we and, we're just we're just talking about series here because we have had movies that have seen further into the you know the timeline. But yes, Voyager was the most furthest ahead into the future, the latest um, Star Trek series. And therefore, it had all the the nice technologies that the that we'd seen in TNG and DS Nine before it, but but better, but, but better, but way better. Yeah, it was and nice. and and there was a lot of Borg stuff. There was a lot of Borg story arcs in that, and the Borg, obviously, that I feel like they're the most formidable enemy within the Star Trek universe. I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah, and and it, so it made those battles much more. For me, you know, I'm a tech, I'm a tech geek. Like the fact that Borg are more advanced than kind of the Federation and, and Starfleet makes it a battle that you want to watch because mm-hmm. you know you can't just shoot. Me. And they're it's like, and they're against they're against like the the Federation's way of life as well, right? It's not just yeah. the, the the technology, the battle. It's the fact that they want to just assimilate everything, right? Mm. Which isn't cool. Absolutely, and it's I not, mean, it's not the way that the Federation you know, believes in. <laughs> true, true, but neither, but, but I don't know. That's, it makes them, it makes them just so evil. That's what it I is. Know. And the fact that they're so green. And yeah, an that, yeah, well, that, that wasn't really added until later. The kind of the green and the logo and stuff like that. It wasn't, uh, that wasn't there until Voyager really. Mm, yeah. Um, in, in TNG, we didn't really see that kind of stuff. No, that's true. That's true. But it's interesting is because you kind of like, you look at the, something like Voyager and then you look at the next generation and the way the the story arcs kind of built up, like the next generation was very much one episode, one episode, one episode, one episode. Yeah. And each episode had its own thing and there wasn't really a story arc to it. Like the, or if, if there was the, the story the, arc the, the, was just them hanging out on this massive ship, right? Yeah. Discovering just stuff. Flying around, being yeah, explorers. Be, being explorers. And that was and enough. Then, that was enough. Yeah, yeah. That's not a bad and thing. Then, um, yeah, a hundred percent. And and then like something like Voyager, where they're lost in space as this this ultimate series story arc. Like every series is about getting home. Yeah, right. And then they have the sub story arcs, and the it, Voyager was the most to me was the most multifaceted Star Trek series. Even even had, more so than Deep Space Nine. A hundred, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because while Deep Space Nine had a similar feel in terms of the story arcs, right? You know, you had the, they're on a space station, you've got the Cardassians, you've got the the Bajorans, and they are kind of, there's this ultimate kind of like stuff that's going on and he's the, the, the emissary and the stuff, stuff with that. Yeah. And there's this, blo- you know, wormhole that's got aliens living in it. That's kind of its own, like that's all one to me. That's all kind of one thing. It's yeah. all related. Right. And then, with Odo and, and, you know, the changelings, 
that's another one. And all these are prevalent as you go through. But Voyager had this finite kind of thing where the whole aim of the series is to get home, right? Mm-hmm. And within it, there was a lot of, by the end of it, a lot of Borg um, kind of story arcs that kind of all fed into each other. Before then you had, um, there was tons of holodeck stuff, just tons always, of holodeck. Always story. with the holodeck. Yeah, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And then you'd you'd have the story arcs that crossed over with kind of the Deep Space Nine Next Generation area where they had like, um, you know, the idea of communicating back with Earth and, you know. Yeah, Pathfinder. Um, yeah, the whole Pathfinder project, which then led into things like um, new ships that were coming that we'd never seen before. That was right? always nice. I think yeah. there's there's something always, I think, more exciting about seeing a new ship turn up in Voyager than there was in a new ship turning up in any other series. Because oh, it was okay. always like they were really trying with some of the designs and things then. And when these like new the ships, turn, yeah, yeah, when like, they when yeah. they set up, they were like really far out there. It's like, well, how how is the Federation taking this this technology? And since then, we've never had a series that has been based on that, you know, forward looking technology. It's always been like, ah, let's go back, let's do some prequels. It's a shame. Yeah, yeah, and and that's kind of like why it was nice in Enterprise when the kind of final story arcs with the whole future people you know like the federation in like the, the year 3000 or two well the 29th century or whatever it was you know you could you got to see glimpses of what the writers and and these concept artists wanted to to show as like the enterprise f or something like that or oh, it was the, what the a, j oh the j, j even the j sorry oh that f, thing that thing looked amazing yeah. that thing looked like something out of well, I don't know. It looked like something out of a completely different series, but the, well, which it would have been. But the the point still stands when you can bring it back to Voyager, and you just think things were changing in the universe, and they had to keep everything the same, like the uniforms and stuff. Yes, and that's quite yeah. a nice yeah, little that's true. Nice little touches. Um, it was a nice touch, and you you always because because you're in on it, right? As the audience, you know that um you know that the folk over on deep space nine which was the last place that voyager was before they uh set off on their journey and got um, taken and, by and the got, caretaker and got taken away um the the uniforms have changed and we were in, in on it because we've seen other uh the other episodes that are being aired at the same time um but but they don't change their you know their uniforms don't change and they continue through and you often you often think to yourself that they should comment on it. It should be like, Hey, Admiral, can can we have some fresh uniforms? You know, tell yeah. us tell us how to make them. We'll we'll update our uniform. But no, they they stay on their existing uniform all the way until they get back. Mm. Which is nice. Yeah. yeah. We've had we've had we've had strange things with uniform changes in the past though. I mean, you probably wouldn't even uh know all of these, but in the next generation Oh, they changed from the jumpsuits. To yeah, the actual, they they changed yeah. multiple times, and you saw people in the background wearing the the wrong uniforms. And those early next generation ones, they had some extremely short skirts, which I I don't think they would really have on a starship like that. It just doesn't seem right. Um, yeah, and the same obviously, which is stuff that they had in the original series. Um, but the uh, but yeah, it was it was nice that things in Voyager like that where things were just. Um, continue uh for a long time over the show and you got this with uh 
uh, a lot of members of the crew. Some people were mentioned, but we never really saw them. Um, we have people who were bad and then redeemed themselves like Suter. Um, there were a lot, there's a lot of stuff. There was a lot of stuff that happened um, mm. over the, the, the run of Voyager. I think it's a good choice. But then you bring it back and you kind of say, well, you know, the end story arcs were all about the Borg and, you know, they finally got home by using the, the trans warp conduits that the Borg had, which was amazing. But then you kind of see in the films and with Enterprise, like the Intrepid class ship that Voyager was, it was an ex- it was kind of an it was an exploratory exploratory science ship. It wasn't really meant to do long missions like yeah. that. Like it was it, it was like the most advanced ship because it was fast and it could get to places quickly and it had tons of advanced scientific instruments on it. Um, yet the obviously the Astrometrics Lab was built out of necessity. Um, and it had these gel packs and the you know the that the powered all the ship systems and it was great, but then you look at something like the Enterprise D, which is a galaxy class ship, and that in in comparison, like that ship could have two thousand a crew complement of two thousand people. Yeah, it was huge. it was it was, it was it, you know it was it was to live. It was a city. It yeah. was, it, you know, it, I don't think we ever us. really saw on the show just how big it is. I mean, it's huge. And yeah, perhaps and perhaps we get an idea of scale when it crashes. <laughs> that's, about, that's about the only time we really get an idea yeah. for the scale yeah for sure and I think if you look at the Intrepid class ship which has a crew complement what about two three hundred yeah something along those lines I want to I want to say two hundred and something yeah I think it's two hundred and thirty or two hundred and twenty or maybe two hundred and seventy it's one of those numbers it's something between two and three hundred we should know these things but the the completely different beasts and i felt like i got to know a lot more of the voyager ship than yeah I, than i did of the galaxy class but the galaxy class I, I used to not like it i used to feel like i didn't like that ship and then you kind of realize you actually do like it in the end because of how big it is and you realize well they have to design it like that like it can't mm. be can't yeah be it, like that. it um that one did actually i mean it, it was later that i heard about this because obviously it it uh it was being developed when i was quite young but when the next generation first started, um, people de- generally didn't like the the look of the ship in comparison to other things that had been seen. So obviously, the motion picture, which came out before the next generation, um, had redesigned the Enterprise, so there was already a new, you know, a new look. But the uh, mm. the next generation Enterprise, which was obviously set a lot later in the timeline. Uh, looked like uh, people thought it looked really strange because you know the the engines, the star drive section at the bottom, uh, really really different to what they'd had previously. All kind of squashed and molded. Yeah, but um, at the same point in but at the same point in time, I actually think I kind of see why they designed it like that. It's like a floating cruise ship. Yeah, it's way more cruise ship like like know. the bridge, like the bridge. You know, if you. If you if you've ever been on an actual cruise, like on the sea here, like in this timeline for Eels IRL, it, it it's like a full on cruise ship. You know, it's all comfortable yeah. and you know it, you know, nothing really can damage it. Um And you still you get that kind of feeling from the Enterprise E as well, actually. Um, uh, yeah, but not quite the same, but you you get a uh, similar kind of uh this is this is a very this is a much grander um ship. You know, but, the, the humble Voyager. But 
But there's a difference, though. The the E, the Enterprise E, is like, oh, it's a magnific- magnificent ship, but it's a ship that's post-Borg. You know, we've always said that if you look at the Galaxy-class ship, and you look at something like Voyager, and, and then you, those story arcs kind of converge into the fact that the Enterprise E was designed, it was a Sovereign-class ship, if I recall. Yeah. It was designed for war. It was designed for... It's a ba- It's not a really a battle cruiser, but it it's for fighting the Borg, right? You know, you, you imagine a galaxy class, yeah, fighting the Borg. You think, eh. well, it, it definitely, um, it definitely was beefed up. Uh, the the um, the Enterprise E. I don't think it was. I th- uh, 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 this is the thing you never really know with Star Trek because you don't know what canon is. But I don't because of the timing. I think it's. The Borg was probably in mind, but not in the same way that you've got something like the Defiant, which is clearly designed to defeat the Borg. But um, with uh, with the Enterprise E, it definitely got beefed up throughout the movies that it was in. Because um, it was in three movies, right? First Contact, Insurrection, and Nemesis. Hmm. And uh, if you look at the ship at the end of Nemesis, it is a lot more beefy. It has... Uh, more weapons than it did uh, at the start of First Contact, where a lot, you know, they they obviously had an incident with the Borg again then. Um, mm. But it had, it did get beefier. I think it started out being more of an exploration type, you know, ship. And you got the war with the Dominion. And this is the thing. All of that part of Star Trek was so rich all right, that t- that part of the timeline, you've got all of the th- the, the the stuff that happened uh, with the next generation that went on to the movies. You got the stuff that happened in Deep Space Nine, which was you know significant with the war with the Dominion and stuff. You got all the stuff with Voyager, um, you know, with the Borg and them coming back and everything else. You have you've got all of these things uh, so rich in stories, and then you just go and uh, you know leave it all behind to write prequels which was always a bit of a shame for me because I really did want to see whatever was to come after Voyager. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I think maybe they will do that. Maybe, maybe. Maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll get a series in the future where we'll see what the progression is. But then I, I actually, I know this sounds silly, but it might. I think it's actually probably harder to write for the future than it is for the past in Star Trek because they've they've got all the, they've got so many time, like, story arcs across them where they all link into the future and you'll be like, well, it kind of invalidates. They'd have to do something to creative to invalidate things like what happened with, um, you know, an enterprise with the whole, um, Sulaban story arc and, you know, what happened with the future and whoever was controlling the future, et cetera, et cetera. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know they've got a lot. They would have had a lot, a lot of opportunities to do that kind of thing. I think it's interesting that um, you know the the past has been the focus of these of these more recent um, Star Trek series, as if just you know just doing uh, something about something like the Next Generation, where it is just some a crew, you know, on a ship, an impressive ship, an impressive crew just out exploring things with, uh, you know, a new episode every week where they're going to find something new. That's not good enough to, to make television these days, right? No. That's, that's what it seems to be. 
So with Enterprise, they were trying to reinvent themselves and it essentially, let's face it, it failed, right? It, it did, the show did not last as long as the other series um, because they didn't get the numbers of people watching it. Um, and then with Discovery, I suppose in some ways the numbers don't matter as much because obviously it's going out on shows like, on, on uh, systems like Netflix where people aren't watching it live, they're watching it on demand. Um, and mm. those numbers are just going to go up and up, the viewing numbers. It just can continue to go up whilst it's on the, the um, while it's available on the platform. So, you know, it's success isn't as tied as Enterprises was. So, you know, I'm hopeful that they're going to continue to make Discovery and, you know, redo Star Trek. But I, I and I'll, I'll watch it and I'll be more than happy to, you know, uh, give my opinions on it. But what I really want is that post-Voyager Star Trek. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um I think the Enterprise and Voyager are closely related in the same manner when you when you think about I want to see what happens with te- technology and the um and the kind of the post you know where does the federation go right and deep space 9 and the next generation well the next generation it wasn't really about the tech and it wasn't really about the the culmination of of how how the federation became what it was or <clears throat> i guess the tng there was the borg stuff and you know in the end there was the, the films ended up kind of crossing over but those two for me in my head they kind of they're closely related right um not via story arcs or anything just by how i feel about them mm-hmm. right uh, when i watched deep space nine I never said to I said to myself I would never watch Deep Space Nine because I, I, I looked at it and I was like I have no idea. I, I remember like being it being on TV and I would flip through the channels and you'd just be on the space station and I just thought like oh it's just some people on a space station. Oh how wrong I was, <laughs> right? And Deep Space Nine, I I was the saddest. That was the saddest time for me when I when that series ended. Oh yeah. That was quite sad for me because because it's a long Voyager one. had like yeah it's long but the character progressions within DS Nine are, are much more the characters and all that development as a as a what as someone who watches these series I felt a lot closer to what was going on within with the characters mm-hmm. in that series than, than something like Voyager or 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 Enterprise because it it was just. It was a very different series. Yeah, it wasn't because it wasn't on a like a Federation setting, right? Um, I think that meant that you got to become familiar with a cast of characters that were non-human, right? Non-Starfleet officer. Um, For sure. Which is what we'd seen previously. You know, you, you set, a, set a show on a, a Federation starship and it's going to have Federation officers as the main characters. Yeah, but they're all flying around and doing things. This was... This was someone's like. It almost felt like it was it was their home, but it was like this static place, and and watching things like, the, yeah, the whole Gulder Cat stuff, and 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 Garrick. Oh, Garrick is my favorite, favorite, favorite character. He's, in, he is high up on my list of Star Trek he's, characters. He's just absolutely, yeah. brilliant. and and the comedy that they managed to get within like that was that was a Star Trek where it could be very comical in areas like. That, and it actually was laugh out loud funny. Yeah. Right. And, and this is the thing. They, they've got this mixture of people, 
who are, they interact really well. Like the acting was absolutely fantastic, but they've got this mixture of people that all have their own agendas, which are arcs mm. in the show. Um, and they're all living together in the same place. They don't necessarily like each other. But the thing about DS9 was that it is literally like the home of these people. You've got someone who, you know, is living in this space station a few doors away from someone else who's living in this space station and they don't get along. They've got completely different agendas. And yeah. you didn't get that really. Um, That's because the agenda was Starfleet. It was a Starfleet agenda in every other series, right? It's yeah. Do good and we, we explore and, you know, yeah. the prime directive when the prime directive was actually a thing. Obviously, Enterprise didn't have the prime directive, but. You know. Yeah, and and someone like Quark, right, is is very much not that. Yet he is still a compelling character in uh, Deep Space Nine. A very compelling character, a hundred percent. In in Discovery, kind of switching to Discovery for a second, um, we we didn't get much of that really. Um, no, I would say on Lorca, which of course we find out is actually Mirror Universe Lorca uh, at the end. Um, I know spoilers. That was a massive surprise. <clears throat> well, it was, it, it, you could piece it together. You were like, "How did I miss?" I, yeah, I think I did not know. I, I always thought he was like a bad guy, Something. right? Yeah, but I didn't know that that's what you know the nature of how bad of a bad guy he was right up yeah. until that last minute, and that was really great for me because I, that wasn't spoiled for me in any way. So I really enjoyed that. But he is a bad guy. I enjoyed his character in Discovery. Mm. Um, I think he, he played it really well. He played it really well. Like, the, but that's the thing. He was a bad guy, but you didn't know he was a bad guy because he kind of was a good guy. It seemed like he was doing. Yeah, good was he a good guy? He wasn't. But, but we didn't. We didn't get as much of that. Um, uh, you know, interaction with the people uh, yet. Certainly in Discovery. Um, I don't think they can. I don't really think that'll happen. Yeah, I don't. To be honest, I don't really think it's that kind of show. I think it's. No. I think it's a different kind of Star Trek. I'm okay with it, but I think it's a very, mm. very different Star Trek to. Uh, something like Next Generation or Deep Space Nine or Voyager. Mm, 100%. And and when you look back on it, it's, it's right. Everything that Netflix do, and it's classed as a Netflix original because it is here. Yes. In the US. In the UK. In the US, it's not. Yeah. The Netflix original series, uh, these shows that Netflix managed to kind of brand as their own, they technically, they're very of a very high caliber in terms of the writing. But if you, or in my opinion, none of the Netflix original series in the, well, that are branded like this are the kind of shows that are just, it will be on for a long time and you will get this character progression in the same way as a seven year or 10 years of Star Trek and like something like Deep Space Nine, right? Where you've, they've got so much time to build up these characters and it's every, every single series is about 20 episodes or 24 episodes, mm-hmm. right? So by the time you're done, you've got at least 200 episodes, right? Netflix series and the way that on-demand television has kind of gone is they will put a bit of money into something for 13 episodes and it will be written very, very well, very well. But it's not enough time to develop these multifaceted things that yeah, go on. It's entertaining television, but it's not uh-huh. it's not the, the the same kind of thing as those older older shows. But having having said that, just going back to Lorca for a second... When you look back at all those little things, those little telltales, you think, "What? How the hell did I miss that?" Oh yeah, and that is and that is the sign of something that is the right. The writers are very very clever. Yeah, do you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're very very clever. Like 
I couldn't possibly like I, I you know I'm not a writer I've never been that kind of writer creative person but how you've got to wonder how did they plan for you to feel like that is that what they do I, I mean I guess so I don't know like, I don't uh, you're like wow Jesus. yeah I mean I I think it's my understanding that with the production of um of discovery they they've got a lot of different names of producers on the at the start as we know the the title sequence when it starts has lots and lots of producers listed and i think basically um some overall story plots were basically put together uh, by all these producers so i think the Lorca stuff i guess i guess it must have been right at some point that was that stuff yeah. was all added into the mix and also combined with all the other things that the other producers all wanted and i think everyone everyone just seemed to be um have have all these different things uh that they wanted to do early on and um i wonder if that's going to be better in the second series so obviously we we got a tease at the end of discovery uh, uh series one and that was um the enterprise mm. right at the very end um generally i think uh, i think discovery kind of ended weirdly like they had uh, a nice wrap up that could have been the end of the of the season um, earlier on, and then they just kind of kept going for another couple of episodes, which was kind of weird. Um, mm. And then they had that like extra extra bonus cliffhanger right at the end, where the where the Enterprise ends up, and mm. it looks different. And I highly doubt that season two is going to have tons of Enterprise in it, but um, it's going to be there for at least a couple of episodes, surely. One would guess. Yeah, who's gonna I mean, who's gonna play still... Spock? Who's gonna play Spock? That's the question. God, here we go again. Another thing. Who's, who's just like another thing that's gonna change? Who's it gonna be? <clears throat> I think I don't know Jude Law. Oh no, he's playing Dumbledore in the new Fantastic Beast films. Anyway, um, I don't know. I don't know. I think the que- the question is really because you know. So Andrew, hi. Um, you know that uh, you know Spock was in the the three Star Trek movies you've seen recently. So wait the the latest the, the movies that I've seen have someone playing Spock. Yes, you, you remember original, you know who you know who's in the the movies that you've seen, right? So you've got uh, no. Kirk, you've got Spock, you've got McCoy. <laughs> you've seen these movies. We we I saw have. Them. we we have. I've seen you see them, and we have seen them together. In yeah, 3D. and I own, I own Star Trek from two thousand nine and Into Darkness, and I've right. seen Beyond. So you know that there is a character called Spock. Yes, right. Yeah, of so um, he is played by what's this chap's name? What's his face? The guy who plays Thingy in Heroes. Yes. What's his name, John? Uh, Christ, I can't think of it. Okay. Well, I, don't, uh, I, I can't remember his name either. But he's great. Real time follow up, John. When we'll continue, and you go. So search. he um, he is obviously playing uh, Spark in the Kelvin timeline. Uh, Zachary Quinto. Yes. Um, so I wonder if he will if he will play Spock in Discovery or not. I, do you think he's too expensive? Do you think he's too busy? Yes, yes. Why, why wouldn't he? But you've also got to remember that that Spock was in was in both. Like Leonard Leonard Nimoy was in both. Yeah, but I mean, we got kind of. You're right. I guess the, how many the, Spock actors have there been? 
Well, just two really main ones. I mean, there's been quite a few uh, young spots. Yeah, there's been there's been young spots before, but really, there's two <laughs> young spots. We we have, had, we have had we have had we have had actors actresses change in Star Trek before. Like we've had um, who was it? Um, oh goodness, I've forgotten her name. Uh, on the Reliant. Um, Savek, Savek. Oh, how can I forget? Anyway, she she changed. She literally just like in Star Trek Two, she's one actress, and then in Star Trek Three, she's a different actress. Uh, that's like Iron Man One, to Iron Man Two. Yeah, so where Rhodey you know, isn't a thing anymore. Yeah, I mean, but, could... right. So the, until this Quinto guy, there's obviously only been one Spock apart from Child Spock, which is makes sense. So, so um, he's he is like he's like he's the, the replacement Spock, Spock right? now, isn't he? Yeah, so but he's also he be the new Spock. So right now, like, if you could think about it, that maybe, you know how in Limitless, the Limitless series, there was the film and then yes. um, What's-His-Face came in and, and kind of special guest starter for a couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. If, if you like you say, Jules, that you think Enterprise is only going to be in for a couple yeah. of episodes, then maybe they'll bring in Zachary Quinto. But then if it's Kirk... It's definitely not Kirk. Would they bring... Oh uh, no, it's not. It's do they Pikes. Ha- Pikes on that ship? Do they? Yes. Um, do they have any expected yeah, actors it... in Discovery already? Yeah, yeah. Bloody, um, what's his face that plays um, Lorca? What's his name? He's in Harry Potter. Oh, my mind goes blank. My mind goes blank. But um, he's a British actor, and he's from he's from West Yorkshire. Uh, d- someone give me his name. Please, come on, guys. This is a Star Trek special, and we should know all these things. I don't know his name. You can tell we're well prepared. Jason Isaacs. Oh, Jason Isaacs, yeah. God, didn't you know that? Yeah, so Jason Isaacs... (laughs) Right, Jason Isaacs plays Captain Locker. So, yeah, so... Right, they've already got expensive factors, so why wouldn't they pay for this Quinto guy? I think... I mean, I think they should. There are some questions about about his age, but this happens all the time with Vulcans, because Vulcans live for a very long time, don't you know? And uh, you know, <laughs> there. So sometimes, sometimes they get you know shown shown being by the same actor at different times of their life. So, have I completely of like derailed and ruined this this yes. Star Trek special? Yeah, go. So you're gonna have to figure. Do you out guys want to just take cut. back control and talk about your stuff that you do know about? Because I don't have a clue. Okay, let me try and segue into something else. I'm happy with you guys just owning this one. So we talked about crossover in, in like, kind of Enterprise and Discovery, but we've got the Kelvin timeline, which is the new films, the three new films, which is, obviously I think it was 2009, Star Trek. Yeah. Then we had Into Darkness and, and Beyond. Now, the Kelvin timelines I find really interesting because... We've got crossover with kind of the original series, and we've also got crossover with in the first film, and we, and actually subsequently the second because Khan is in. Yep, Star Trek it's kind of like a remake of Khan, um, who is played by Benedict Cumberbatch, who we love, and he does a really good job. I feel like of playing Khan, but um, like in the in Star Trek Beyond, we saw like. It was like a, a homage to the NX class ships. Where... Yeah, the Franklin. Yeah. And technically, the Franklin, um, age-wise, was probably before the Kelvin timeline actually diverged. 
if yeah, if so. the if the Kelvin timeline diverged when the Kelvin was destroyed, if that's the marker that we're using, which I believe we are. Um, but the Kelvin looked different in the ship and in the series anyway. Um, mm-hmm. and it, and when when the NX flew in in beyond, it it, it did look different from like obviously the NX class ships. Yeah, that we saw in like Enterprise yeah, and, and the Columbia it as well. Did. Like. But it was it was similar. It's very similar. Yeah, it, it was it was very nice to see. Um, but very very different good. looking to Discovery, which was probably also yeah. from around the same time period. It's a very busy time period that they decided to set it in. A hundred percent, and and then obviously in the first two films we had we had we had Spock who was played by Zachary Quinto, and then also Leonard Nimoy was in it yeah, as it like like time traveling. Yeah, so he was know. he was Spock from the Prime Universe who was stuck in the Mirror Universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So to to give a bit of background for people who don't know, when uh, the Kelvin timeline split from the Prime timeline, we do have some material that says what happens to the Prime timeline after that fact. We've never had a TV series or a, a movie after that fact. Um, but what's supposed to have happened is that um, uh, the Star Trek Online game is basically set in that prime timeline now and uh obviously they've got a world where um uh, romulus was destroyed rather than vulcan being destroyed and um they're both kind of suffering from from that massive loss to to the to the alpha quadrant really Mm. it's strange isn't it yeah, I mean, so so in theory now, if they did come up with a new show, will they set it in that post-Kelvin split timeline? Where, where Romulus is no longer a thing. Yeah, Romulus is destroyed instead of Vulcan, and Vulcan, you know, is that... Which is weird, because obviously then, obviously we have Romulans in in the series that are yes. non-prime timeline, Star Trek TV non-Kelvin timeline. Why? Why do they always need to make these different timelines? Yeah, I I, I think this um, this is a common thing though. Like even with uh, like superhero movies, uh, they're constantly being reinvented. You've got how many how many different Spider Mans have we had recently? And that's Spider Man, Spider Man, and that's not to mention the ones like old black and white TV shows and things like that. Like there's there's been so many iterations, and there's been lots yeah, of iterations same with Batman. Of, of Star Trek. It's it's all good. I like it all anyway. The Kelvin timeline's a bit naff, but um, hey, apparently they're working on a, a fourth film. Yeah, I heard about this. Tarantino. Now, that that kind of brings us. Yeah, this is this is this should be interesting because Star Trek the original um, film in two thousand. Sorry, the Kel- first Kelvin timeline film. So Star Trek with our um, so, you know, so yeah, Star Trek two thousand and nine. I think is what yeah. gets referred to these days. Star Trek two K nine. Uh, and then Into Darkness kind of followed on from each other with with remnants of the original kind of story arcs, right? Yeah. And then when we got beyond, it was like it was different. When we found out about this. It was like this is going to be it's on its own film. It's going to do its own thing, you know. And I wasn't sure what to expect when I went and, and I saw this. And I actually I really enjoyed, I enjoyed it. it. And then well. they obviously had the um, Beastie Boys uh, back, yeah, you know. Yeah, and um, no one liked that trailer, did they? And I don't understand why. I thought the trailer was brilliant. Yeah, well, I I thought it was a really good movie. It's, it kind of stands on its own um, as a as a movie, and that's okay. 
it's, it's kind of Star Trekky, and that's and that's okay too. So, do we? What do we know about this next film? Do we know much about? I don't know much at all. Now, I tend to find out little bits about new Star Trek ventures, but then I kind of wait because I don't want things to be um, spoiled for me. So it's usually later mm-hmm. on that I look into the development of the shows, I, rather than before they're before they're made. Which worked okay mm-hmm. for me to, for Discovery for me because there were people talking about the plots and all sorts. Uh, you know, all of those twists about the mirror universe, people already knew, right? People on forums, the, the proper Star Trek nerds. Um, but I avoided all that. And I, I've done that with the next Star Trek film so far, but I hear little bits and pieces about it every now and then. So, do we think that. I mean, the ships, right? The Enterprise in the new films is massive, isn't it? Yeah, the Enterprise in the new films is ridiculous in comparison to what the original series size of the ship was. And and like Into Darkness, where the the Vengeance, uh, which is even bigger. That thing is it's just ridiculous. And yeah, that's... that's, that's can, yeah, if it, if it, that's compared what, to everything else in Star it, Trek, that is like the largest thing ever. Now, is it, was it a Dreadnought class ship? Or Dreadnought it class was, ship, yeah. Dread, Absolutely yeah. huge and designed to be piloted by like one person, which, which yeah, just which doesn't make insane. sense. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. I was like, I think it was a crew complement of like four, I think, or something like that. Yeah. Or minimal crew complement. It was just, just doesn't make sense. I mean, if you think about something like uh, the Enterprise D, which is uh, quite large. Uh, quite large, uh, I mean. Uh, it needs lots of people on it to function. To run it, I mean, yeah. I mean, do you remember? I don't know if you saw, but the, someone did a Minecraft Enterprise D to scale yeah, model. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I have incredible. seen that. I haven't played on the world, but I have seen videos of it. Yes, I, 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 I remember seeing a YouTube video of it, and I mean, the fandom around Star Trek is amazing, isn't it? I mean, the fact that you can get these blueprints, and people can actually actually extrapolate them. And yeah. It's just in, I I always like that kind of thing about Star Trek. Um, and I think this is why, uh, obviously, we discussed the Discovery a lot, um, the actual ship itself. And it's got an interesting design. But I came from when the next generation had these things, like the blueprints. We never really got blueprints for Voyager, but we've seen, like, very... I, I, I got some. I had them up Did they have official ones? I didn't think they did. Oh, that's, uh, that's... I don't know if they were official, ah. but they were pretty good blueprints. So the, um, I printed them out on my bedroom wall. We used to get yeah. that kind of stuff, and we haven't really seen that with Discovery yet, but um, I like that kind of thing, so I'd be looking forward to seeing it. I think, overall, the design of the ship for Discovery was uh, interesting. interesting. But it, it served them really, really well in the show because the show looked absolutely fantastic. And being able to have those scenes outside the ship, moving the camera towards the windows, um, like when they were running around that, um, you know, through those kind of corridors, when they had mm. the party and you've got the camera coming up to the to the window with the lights flashing and stuff, like they were really able to um, capitalize on the shape of the ship, having all those extra mm. windows on the outside in a way that we've not really seen in, we never saw anything like that in next generation. We did see a bit of that in enterprise, but, um, well, that's cause CGI has got better and better and better. And it, I guess one of the reasons why they probably didn't have as many windows on these ships is not a technology thing in star Trek is probably a technology thing in, in real life. You know, the costs are more to make that CGI look, look, um, useful. Yeah. 
right? Like, and, and make sure it doesn't look yeah. terrible. And I would say that that kind of, you know, brings us back to the, to the end of uh, Discovery Season 1, where the Enterprise turns up. And obviously, it's using new CGI to, to, to do it. It looks the right scale. It does not look huge like mm. the Enterprise in the Kelvin timeline. It doesn't look ridiculous like the Enterprise in Kelvin timeline. It looks very similar to the refit um, Enterprise from uh, the motion picture and beyond with some Discovery style look and feel like flair. Mm. I think it's it's an interesting it's an interesting redesign. It's basically what the 2009 Star Trek uh, enterprise should have been like it looks it looks like a redesigned enterprise yeah well what's gonna be interesting is, is like how they tie this up because that that spore drive in in discovery right well they're not using it now right they kind of just they, uh, according to the end of uh, season one they've kind of they're just not using it now well that's it <laughs> right it's like this technology what is it sealed what's gonna yeah. happen like that kind of technology is like it could have got Voyager home. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, but, but obviously they don't use it, so it's obviously been, you know, they stop they stop using it at some point because it's not in later Star Treks. Um, mm. So Discovery is that's a Discovery class ship, is it? Is it a Discovery class ship? What is it? No, it's a Crossfield class ship. Really? That's like the most. Out of all the, right, you just weren't expecting well, that word, right? Because because no, it doesn't mean. Why, I mean, sovereign mis- sovereign wasn't really anything. Galaxy wasn't really. I mean, they're just words. They're just words. I I mean, mm, it would, yeah, but come on, like gov, galaxy and sovereign and ambassador class, and they got. Uh, yeah, I don't really know the. Um, uh, I'm assuming because it does this spinning thing. I guess, thing, I guess which is kind thing. of strange. But um, mm. you know, I I like the way it looks. Um, um, I'm interested to see more of the kind of redesigned uh, Enterprise when we see that. I'm, you know, I may complain about it, but fundamentally, I'm fine with them doing this. I'm glad that people are working on Star Trek. Um, it makes me happy. Me too. I mean, I guess the the legacy. I, I just well, it gets me in the gut because, like, I I remember watching. Um, the, I guess the the films I'm the most up like up to date with outside of the Kelvin timeline will be gen- was generations up to ne- ne- mm-hmm. Nemesis, so you know where we've got some nice ships, you know. And I thought Nemesis was a really weird film. I remember it being in the cinemas when I was when I was a kid. Yeah, and you it, know, it's a weird film. Like it is a weird film. It, and like having you know Jean Luc Picard, um, you know. He's kind of the quintessential captain. That, or oh, is he the most iconic captain? It's really difficult because you kind of like, you kind of like. Well, is it is it James T. Kirk? For me, it's Picard. Like, it's always Picard. Yeah, not not yeah, season you know, one Picard, could, but any other Picard. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, even in Deep Space Nine, he was in the first episode of Deep Space Nine. I love the crossovers, like right, like the crossovers. They've done so many good crossovers between, like I love like Reg in in Voyager and how he was in the Next Generation first, and he just came back and it was like Miles yeah, O'Brien into got, into DS Nine. 
Exactly, yeah. Miles uh, Morales DS9 and Worf and and the the crossover is, is, is brilliant. And I guess when you look back and we say, well, you know, Nimoy was in in the Kelvin style, it's in it kind of makes sense that that these kind of things happen. I wonder if we'll ever get a crossover in Discovery. Or is everyone going to have died? Well, before, are we like going to get a crossover in in the shape of Spock with the Kelvin? I don't know. I don't know. But then it, that would throw this whole thing into turmoil because it was like, is it the Kelvin timeline? Well, it's not the Kelvin timeline. Well, there you go. There you go. Because if but it's, it's not, this is the but thing. if it's, if it's, not if the, it's the prime timeline, then it can't if be. If it's the prime timeline, then it can't be Zachary Quinto. Pr- it can't be Zachary Quinto. The problem is that if it's the prime timeline, it doesn't look like the prime timeline. What they should have just done is just said that it's the Discovery timeline, and there would have been no issue. No one would have. Well, Star Trek fans will always have issues, but no one would have had any issues if they just said it was another timeline. But they specifically said that it was the prime timeline, hmm. though it doesn't look like the prime timeline because the nacelles are all different and. That's what Star Trek nerds care about. Yeah, I mean, my favorite nacelles are, are the Voyager nacelles. Well, mine are the Sovereigns, well, probably. Well, okay, I see where you're going with that. I really do. It's really I, you, you know what? I, I actually quite like Discoveries. <laughs> like, I, I actually quite oh, like oh. the ship. It's a very, it's a really funny looking ship. It it grows on you. It, it, you don't know. I mean, you you couldn't say you liked it when you first saw it. I don't know. Like it, it was very, I, it was interesting. I still, I still, I, I still kind of like it. I, I it, it was very, very funny looking. Like it's got really, really long nacelles, really, really strange shape. But yeah, it, it kind of, it's just one of those things. It kind of holds mm. together. Yeah, I mean, okay. So like, this is the tough. This has become a tough question for me, more so since finishing all the series of Star Trek is like, who is your favorite captain? Um, probably Picard for me. Well, I I like all of them, but yeah, but probably, probably Picard. Yeah. But this is it, right? Picard on the Enterprise E. That's, that's my, that's Mm. my, my point. It's weird. He never got to Admiral, did he? Really? Like, considering how old he was, I like, believe, in, I believe I mean? in the, in the books he has, but then, Great. yeah, the but then where do you, well, I, I don't, don't know, know, where do you draw the line on what counts as being canon? But yeah, it's my understanding mm-hmm. that in the, the books and Star Trek online or whatever, he, you know, he was promoted. Hmm. Man, this is the problem though. Like with discoveries, like we've now got this one Star Trek. It's great that we've got Star Trek back. But I kind of used to feeling like I've got lots of Star Treks to be watching. Yeah. We need another one. I think so. It comes back to- I would like to see another Star Trek. I hope Discovery's... But Netflix aren't going to put... Well, I don't know. I hope Discovery's popular and may- maybe they, you know, the production team des- decides to do another one. And maybe they can continue to do a, a Discovery and something else on, on Netflix. Mm. I would like that. Yeah. Like... Do you remember, what was it? There was like a fan fan funded film that had like, you know, Tim Russ in it and and stuff. What what was that? Um, yeah, actually, I've forgotten the name, but it it, it was actually set. Uh, it was a fan based project, and it was set around exactly the same time as Discovery. And they basically, the studio put a stop to it 
because they were working on discovery and when they actually when the fans actually started discovery was not a thing um so uh, it was i think it was on the romulan war actually i think it focused on but it was around the same time period so many different areas who who writes this stuff <laughs> like like you know when they're like oh there was a romulan war and there was a klingon war and you know in the original series like you know there was um it's like do you think someone wrote the law behind there was it there was a book so uh, it, like- it was called uh the star trek chronology i think it was called the history of the future um and it basically listed timings from um like the well uh, from the beginning of time basically beginning of history but it would mention things like you know khan being born khan leaving in the in the 1990s which of course was futuristic when they first picked those um those times uh and the augments and all these kind of things uh and it listed all this this timeline out the voyager probe becoming mm. vija um all those kind of things really interesting interesting wait why was the enterprise there i don't know we'll we'll find out though that they, they they just kind of stuck it on the end didn't they where the Enterprise was kind of giving a distress signal. And I think it's just a way of saying, hey, by the way, the Enterprise is going to be in season two. Well, yeah, but it, we don't really know much about it. Do no, we, we like, don't know much more than that. <clears throat> like, like, like the other thing is, it's like, was Pike really, like, was Pike really alive during this whole war? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because obviously the Enterprise must have been involved in this stuff, right? It was... What yeah, or, or or is this the Ent- is this Enterprise completely different? Because they all look really shocked that it was the Enterprise. Now, is that because they're like, well, who the hell is Captain Pike? Well, yeah, maybe because it's the 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 flagship and Burnham's like brothers on it, which was uh, yeah, which is of course Spock. Yeah. I don't know. We'll 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 see. So what we'll probably do is we'll have another Star Trek special episode when uh, season two finishes and. Uh, we will. This is season two. No, season two of, of Star, Star Trek. Trek. Oh, are we going to um, <laughs> And hopefully, we've had our Star Trek fix for now. Yes. So we'll see you next time on After Trek. After Trek was absolutely terrible, by the way. Because the Enterprise team tune was the worst. The Enterprise. The oh, when they, when they, when they, yeah. when they <laughs> the music, in. they jazzed it up. <laughs> yeah, right. Georgia hates it. She hated it, and she she yeah. would make me skip it, and she would actually kick yeah. me until I skipped it, and they then made, they made it, it even, even worse. worse in season three. <laughs> oh, God, uh, that's quite impressive.